A very warm welcome to our event today on a European response to the coronavirus. My name is Guntram Wolf and I'm the director of Bruegel and this event is a co-organized event with the Financial Times and Maureen Kahn, who is a correspondent here in Brussels, is uh, also joining, uh, joining this call. We are both extremely pleased uh, to welcome today Commissioner uh, Paolo Gentiloni, uh, who has also been, of course, uh, former Prime Minister of Italy, and he is the European Commissioner responsible for the European economy. And, of course, a lot of things are currently happening in the European economy. So, um, uh, Commissioner Gentiloni has been very, very busy these last weeks and, of course, um, is preparing um, the uh, Eurogroup meeting um, and the Commission's contribution to the Eurogroup meeting uh, tomorrow. Uh, where um, EU finance ministers and Eurozone finance ministers are tasked to discuss uh, the European response, the fiscal response, uh, to uh, this unprecedented um, slowdown uh, of Europe's economy since World War II. Um, so, uh, Commissioner Gentiloni, um, let me perhaps um, uh, start to ask you a, a general question. I mean, we've heard a lot of talk about all kinds of instruments, a four-pillar strategy, three-pillar strategies being discussed uh, with the ESM, the EIB, um, and um, the unemployment insurance scheme uh, uh, very much in the discussion. Um, and you yourself with your colleague, uh, Mr. Um, uh, Breton, have um, advocated a major fiscal response uh, yesterday in Le Monde, the French uh, periodical. So, so tell me, um, is the four, the three pillars that are being discussed, is, is that what we are going to see at the Eurogroup? And do you think it's enough? Um, uh, well, first of all, good afternoon. Thank you for, uh, for this uh, meeting. Uh, what I would expect, uh, uh, firstly, from the Eurogroup, and I'm rather confident that they will get there, is uh, a, a message of uh, uh, shared unity. Uh, because I think that um, it is not the moment for divisions. And uh, if we uh, share uh, what you just said, that this is really an unprecedented crisis, um, we need uh, to start with two uh, very clear uh, ideas. One is that from this unprecedented crisis, uh, you will not uh, come out from this crisis with uh, winners and losers. So among uh, European member states, either uh, we uh, succeed uh, as a, as a European Union, uh, or we fail. Uh, we can't imagine uh, this uh, symmetric crisis to have uh, two huge asymmetric uh, consequences in single member states, because this would uh, put at stake the very uh, existence of our Union. Second point is that the strength of a common reaction uh, should be uh, 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 reinforced as far as we can. Uh, this is not for to say that until now um, we didn't uh, take uh, important measures. 
I'm uh, quite satisfied of the measures that were taken by, uh, so to say, European institutions from the ECB to the European Commission. Uh, but we have to say that uh, we need more. So uh, the Eurogroup will be, I think, uh, a good message if uh, it agrees uh, on a common response and if this common response is ambitious. Commissioner, if I could just jump in um, to follow up on that point about what the Eurogroup will do. You've already suggested things that go beyond this Eurogroup, that go beyond perhaps the next few weeks in, in your new sort of post-crisis investment fund. Is there a danger that by proposing even more, the suggestion is that whatever three-pronged strategy involving Shaw, involving the EIB, involving other types of guarantees, is already seeming to be insufficient? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, uh, but I understand your point, obviously. Uh, I think that uh, we should very, be very uh, careful, uh, and I, I, I know that this could appear a little bit boring or pedagogic, so to say, always to remember uh, what is uh, uh, what have been done until now. So, because you know, uh, also uh, to discuss of uh, measures involving uh, ESM or other institution could be uh, seen as uh, a, an assessment uh, judging not sufficient what the ECB decided um, at middle of March. Uh, I think that the ECB decision was very, very strong one, very positive one. And the fact that we are discussing further measures could, should in no way undermine or make weaker the uh, assessment on these measures. And this is the same for a common fiscal response. We are um, uh, now converging in some measures, but we have to, to, to be clear on the fact that stronger um, fiscal common response is needed if we want to avoid this asymmetry in the consequences of this uh, symmetric crisis. So, so can I ask you a bit more on the fiscal responses we have seen so far? I mean, all member states have acted and have acted uh, decisively. However, if you look at the numbers, they differ quite strongly across countries. And I noted that um, the German fiscal response is, uh, is actually very, very significant, uh, while the Italian one um, seems to be relatively small compared to the German one, even though the health crisis uh, in Italy is um, is not only deeper but all already more advanced. Um, so, so what, how do you explain this um, relatively uh, um, uh, weak response um, in Italy to date? Um, are you encouraging the Italian authorities um, to to do more fiscally, to borrow more, which is sort of against almost the DNA of um, the Commission? Um, that is supposed to look after after fiscal discipline. But I think in these current circumstances, at least in my view, um, uh, acting and doing more um, is actually even going to be helpful for long-term debt sustainability. And so it would be a mistake not to do more. And, uh, and I think the message should really be uh, do more to safeguard um, 
um, the uh, the companies and the and the um, really the engine of the economy. So so what's the Commission communication vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Italy, but also Spain um, and countries that are very strongly affected by this crisis at this stage? Uh, yes, you are right. Uh, responses until now uh, were rather uh, quick, uh, but they are uh, already um, different. Uh, country by country, and uh, it could appear unusual, but it is true that the Commission now is uh, sending the message that uh, it is absolutely necessary to give a strong and quick response. Uh, what was decided until now, more or less 3.2-3.3% uh, of the EU27 GDP in uh, measures, uh, I mean expenditures and uh, tax relief. And then on the uh, other aspect, which is the uh, liquidity guarantees and tax postponement, a, a bigger amount of GDP, uh, very higher, uh, and uh, something like 2.3 uh, trillion of uh, liquidity. But as you said, uh, this is not symmetric. Uh, so uh, uh, I think uh, this can have also a different uh, wave of explanation. For example, Italy, that I, I know very well, uh, probably uh, had also, uh, the reason is also on the fact that Italy reacted uh, first uh, being uh, um, uh, affected by the outbreak before other countries and so now they are uh, um, studying a, a second time of intervention. Uh, but it is not only this, it is also the different situation of these countries and this is one of the reasons why we need common uh, fiscal tools, because uh, we can't uh, imagine uh, that uh, a, not only on the uh, sovereign uh, debt issue, but also on real economy, uh, we can't imagine that this crisis uh, could enlarge the divergence uh, uh, among the euro area, especially the euro area economies, because this would be very, very dangerous. So the, the role of common tools is uh, to uh, rebalance the risk of uh, uh, augmenting divergence and the political consequences of augmenting divergence in this so difficult moment. Maybe if I can jump in and, and with a view to the questions, because the word Corona bonds is coming up and Samuel Kenny wants to know where you foresee uh, the debate about Corona bonds tomorrow. And it seems like in the last few days, the commission has definitely been backing away from at least using the term Corona bonds, but still talking about ideas of common borrowing and common fiscal capacity. Despite your, I think, uh, reticence to keep using the word, uh, we saw that Prime Ministers of Spain, uh, Pedro Sanchez, wrote an op-ed over the weekend, um, still pushing this idea. We've seen, I guess, some unexpected corners of the German uh, political spectrum also 
uh, asking Berlin to embrace the the idea of Corona bonds. So, uh, where does the Commission really sit? Do you still um, want to stop using the C word as much as possible? Well, I'm, I'm not in love with uh, uh, labels in, in this um, in this uh, moment. Uh, what I'm always saying is. Um, uh, let's try to uh, connect as strictly as possible uh, missions to emissions um, uh, because this is the key uh, problem that we have. Uh, if we are only discussing on uh, financial tools or even on labeling of financial tools, I don't think we go uh, in the right direction. What is the right direction from my point of view is to define the mission that we have. So for some uh, sectors, the mission has already uh, tools and emissions connected to these tools, uh, at least uh, in limited way, but clear. So uh, facing uh, unemployment risk, um, we are trying to rain, reinforce national schemes uh, like Kurzarbeit uh, or Casa Integrazione or Chomage Partiel with this uh, sure mechanism. Um, liquidity to avoid that differences in liquidity guarantees uh, contribute to the divergence in real economy I was referring to. Uh, this is the task of a, a strengthened role of the European Investment Bank, uh, for sure. Uh, it's still limited, as limited is uh, the mechanism of sure, but they are clearly uh, there and I think uh, they will go, uh, give uh, good contribution. Then the, there is the discussion on this ESM um, uh, enhanced credit lines on their conditionalities and this is also uh, answering to a uh, clear mission. Uh, then we have the mission, so to say, of uh, uh, relaunching our economy, of recovery. Uh, and uh, here I think a, a strong fiscal effort is needed. Uh, how to build uh, this strong fiscal effort, for sure we will, we will go to, to the market and, and borrow money because nobody has reserves to, to use for this. Um, who will do this? Uh, which institution? It is an open debate. But from my point of view, what is crucial is to build gradually the awareness and the consensus on the fact that this uh, should have a com also, not only national contribution, but also a European contribution on single uh, strategic programs that we have to finance. And second point that should be clear is that uh, this common tool should be uh, in place soon. There is, as we all know, frequently reference to uh, uh, George Marshall and the plan that he uh, presented after the war. Uh, but I, I just want to remember to all of us that we don't have two years. Um, the Marshall plan was presented in 1947. 
we need for a Marshall Plan, so to say, uh, one home made, made in Europe and not coming from outside. And second, it should be launched in 1945, not in 1947, because the uh, 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 relaunch uh, and the, the convergence, if possible, of uh, the European economy uh, needs to be addressed in the next weeks and months, not in the next years. Well, I mean, uh, I, I think we we very much agree that there needs to be um, a very big uh, fiscal response. Um, and I think we've sketched the national responses, um, but I, I think the, uh, the discussion on the European level response is still, uh, still, as you say, very much ongoing. Now you emphasize that there's really a need for uh, working together and having some common response, fiscal response. Um, uh, now, when I talk to some um, of my compatriots, um, the reply I get is, well, but the ECB is already there and every country can borrow at low rates. So can you perhaps explain to our listeners um, again, why you really think there needs to be uh, a common European response? I mean, why do we need to go uh, beyond um, getting every country just do more? I mean, you as a commissioner, if you were, in, were to encourage every country to just borrow much more than what they do, especially the countries that so far do less, and the ECB is there. Do we really need um, a European level institution such, such as the ESM uh, or the EIB or a fund or whatever you want to call the mechanism uh, to, uh, to do the joint borrowing? Or isn't the ECB um, just acting in the sovereign bond markets enough? That's a question that is often raised to me. I think I probably personally agree with your position, but I think it would be important, important to hear uh, the argument why um, we really need um, a, a joint uh, fiscal um, borrowing, a joint mechanism, um, uh, so that our fiscal response, especially in the south of Europe, um, is commensurate with the challenge. Um, well, just to, to, to answer to your question, I, I think that um, those of um, the people saying that, why asking themselves, why do we need something uh, else than the ECB? Uh, if uh, asked on, uh, in another way, uh, do you think that ECB should play a role of fiscal policy. They would uh, answer horrified, no, this is not what the ECB uh, should do in any case. So I think it is not uh, absurd that uh, since not few days, but few years, uh, Mario Draghi and uh, recently Christine Lagarde, uh, always uh, were uh, saying that monetary policy uh, need to be uh, joined by a coordinated European fiscal policy. Uh, but it, I think this uh, is not uh, something that we say uh, to undermine or uh, under-evaluate the importance of uh, the decision of the ECB, which is 750 uh, billion plus 120 billion plus 80 billion 
per month uh, of the previous program. So if you put all this together from now to the end of the year, it's a huge uh, amount of uh, potential intervention in monetary policy. But as uh, was said by the, the ECB itself in, in last years, it is clear that we need a coordinated fiscal policy. If uh, we want to rebuild our um, economic uh, system, which will, which will be uh, really um, in, in great difficulties after this uh, prolonged lockdown, uh, we need a coordinated intervention, I repeat, also to uh, assure a level playing field and avoid the fact that, uh, in, especially in the euro area where we have a single currency, uh, economies goes in two different directions. I think this would be politically very, very uh, dangerous for the euro. I guess also a related issue that uh, Draghi has mentioned and other people are starting to think about is the post-crisis uh, debt burden. And I think you also mentioned yourself that some of the, the, the amounts of the spending are in the one, one and a half, 1.6 trillions. I think Klaus Regling has said that at the end of this, we could see an increase in the Eurozone's debt to GDP of 20%. Um, Have you started thinking about the sheer scale and the volume uh, of borrowing that will end up on the balance sheets of governments? And relatedly, then also, what happens to this debt? So people, I mean, Draghi mentioned himself, they will basically need uh, mass private write-offs of this debt. Is this part of the political calculation when you speak to member states? In when we have sort of already started using the word exit plan, is the exit plan going to have to, at its very, very core, address this issue of debt? Uh, well, I think uh, that it is uh, too soon to, to, to address, to, I hope that we, uh, sincerely, I hope that we will be able soon to discuss these issues because this will mean that uh, we have at least uh, certainty on the evolution of the curve of this outbreak, uh, which is uh, possible, but not yet sure. Uh, uh, we all know that uh, we will not have a, a, a X hour uh, when the outbreak will finish. Uh, it's not, I repeat, it's not like a war when you have a peace treaty and the war is finished. Here we will have a uh, rather long period of uh, uh, when we, we, we will live with this uh, virus, but in a uh, limited, hopefully in a limited and manageable uh, way. But we are not, not yet there. And this is the moment, uh, I think, when uh, at national level, uh, the response should be as quick as possible, because we, risks, uh, we risk to lose entire uh, sectors of our industries. Uh, and uh, they, they can't wait uh, a discussion on what happens in, in the future. This is the reason also, this is also the reason why we uh, suspended our fiscal uh, 
rules uh, of the, the so-called stability and growth pact it was a message to say okay we are in emergence and the emergency response should be uh, as strong and fast as uh, uh, possible uh, then uh, the ecb um, uh, strength uh, is there to limit uh, consequences in uh, sovereign debt and a coordinated fiscal response should be there to limit consequences in real economy um, to, to uh, and, and uh, try to establish a level playing field in the reconstruction and the relaunch of real economy which is I think strategically uh, uh, extraordinarily important for uh, the future of the Union. But just to follow up, I understand that maybe the fundamental idea of how to do to treat debt is maybe too soon. But when you're proposing huge post-crisis investment funds, do you not need to give countries some certainty about how the money they borrow or they ask will be treated once the crisis is over? So perhaps one of the reasons Italy might be more reticent to borrow now is the is a fear that it will still be saddled with this money long after the crisis is over. So do we not actually just need to grasp this nettle as soon as possible because but it is sure. part of the confidence building exercise? For sure, when uh, the, the, the discussion on uh, how to connect to this uh, recovery mission um, also the uh, adequate tools uh, will be uh, more advanced uh, because it is now going on with this discussion but as you know it is still uh, mm. a little bit divisive uh, and I am using an understatement for, for in, in telling this uh, but I also see a step forward in this um, divisive discussion. Obviously, going on with this discussion, we will uh, have to address to several uh, issues uh, what kind of uh, um, institution uh, will provide this uh, common tool. Uh, it could be existing institution, could even be the multi-annual uh, financial framework of the uh, union with adequate changement and adjustment and in this uh, uh, framework we should discuss also uh, the maturity uh, of uh, of this uh, loans and how uh, the relation between loans and grants etc etc uh, what in this moment is my personal effort is to try uh, to build a consensus in a very simple concept the concept is uh, please uh, avoid in this moment a uh, discussion uh, that uh, is the exactly the same that we had in the uh, previous 10 years uh, I, I i really uh, ask a, a sort of no regret discussion uh, we, we have not to discuss if uh, in the last 10 years uh, this country or this group of countries did the right thing or the wrong thing they should have been more um, uh, serious with their debt they should have used their fiscal space etc 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 the risk sharing the risk reduction okay 
but uh, providing that nobody is proposing the mutualization of the former debt, but we are uh, proposing the, so to say, mutualization of commitments that we have and programs that we have and missions that we have for the next um, months and years, uh, I think we need a discussion that goes uh, towards the future and not uh, regretting um, our uh, different opinions in the past 10 years. This discussion is, from my point of view, um, a negative one if we uh, look at the problems of today with uh, this kind of divisions of the last 10 years. Well, thank you. Thank you for this um, clear, clear answer. And indeed, I think um, the issue of the long term debt sustainability shouldn't really uh, be a worry as long as the European Central Bank uh, holds a significant amount of debt on its balance sheet, which I think is desirable, actually, and um, uh, is not inflationary, because uh, basically we are in a situation after depressions like this caused by a pandemic we tend to be in situations where inflation rates are actually falling and not increasing. So I wouldn't worry much about the ECB uh, holding a significant amount of, of its debt on its balance sheet. And I think they uh, can, can be very uh, clear and outright on this. But uh, you mentioned, uh, of course, um, and I want to ask you a bit more about this, uh, the issue of um, uh, looking at the past and avoiding the... Um, a discussion repeating itself and a discussion we all know too well from the last 10 years around the Eurozone. <clears throat> and um, uh, and I, I think what I would like to ask you in that respect is that, of course, some countries, some member states uh, would love um, to see a stronger involvement of the European stability mechanism, exactly because the ESM um, comes along with um, conditionality and because those countries uh, think that um, the conditionality may be exactly what what is needed, so as to uh, you know uh, put countries on a long term sustainable growth path. Um, so uh, of course, in your country, the ESM uh, option is uh, very much disliked, um, and you know I get on Twitter messages no M MOS uh, and so on. Uh, so I, I think it's it's a very polarized debate. Yet it seems to me the ESM is still part of the. Um, of the package that's on the table. Um, so what's the commission's view on this? I mean, should we um, uh, keep that option on the table or should we um, rely more on the unemployment insurance scheme that you are proposing? Or how do, we, how do you see the mix of the instruments going forward? Well, I, I, I think that the uh, ESM uh, tool is, uh, absolutely useful in the in the tool uh, box in the toolkit that from the eurogroup uh, should be uh, transferred to the european council um, uh, providing that the, the discussion that is going on that i i understand is going on with good progress on uh, this so-called conditionalities um, get to a to a good uh, point uh, because again uh, let me uh, give you a, a, a political reading of this issue uh, I, I think we are all aware that uh, what was the use of the ESM 
mechanism to uh, rescue single countries in the last 10 years uh, is not uh, what we uh, need now. Um, what we need now is uh, to have a common tool for what is obviously a uh, crisis affecting all European countries uh, and uh, so the, the whole mechanism of conditionalities uh, uh, should be changed and I think this process is uh, advanced enough. Uh, I understand that uh, in some member states uh, and in particular in, in Italy there is a, a particular discussion on this uh, subject but uh, the uh, opinion of the Commission is that if we reach uh, a, a good agreement on uh, conditionalities uh, this is uh, a one of the uh, instruments that we should use obviously we can't say in this moment to a, a, a country um, affected with uh, um, such a, a, a terrible crisis okay now you have to uh, submit to a surveillance program they will come and tell you what you have to do with your pension scheme and what you have to do with this with that this is obviously politically totally impossible but i uh, i know that this is very clear to everybody including and more than others uh, klaus regling which is the, the manager director of the uh, ESM. So we are trying to use this tool in a completely different way from the one that was uh, in the during the financial crisis. Just, the to, uh, just to follow up tomorrow at uh, tomorrow's Eurogroup um, is the biggest task that you face having to convince Italy that an, a totally reform type of ECCL is something they have to accept or is the harder task to convince the other countries that they have to drop their conventional ideas of conditionality. So which is the biggest block here to, in this debate? Is it the Italian side or is it the slightly more frugal side that are still insisting on, you know, having some strings attached? I am rather optimistic that both this uh, uh, op opinion uh, uh, could be uh, uh, could converge, uh, but uh, I really don't know. It is something that is still under discussion. Uh, um, the, the, the key point is uh, that the uh, very uh, different uh, approach uh, should uh, establish rules uh, for uh, having access to this ECCL uh, so to say, uh, once and for all, uh, once uh, means at a certain point, even before single countries are asking or not asking uh, access to ECCL, and for all means not uh, tailor-made for this country or this other countries on the basis of a uh, surveillance program, etc., etc., but for all means that here is the tool if 
the the um, uh, Belgium um, need to access to it or, or 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 don't want to access to it, it will be a Belgian decision. But the tool is there, and it is there uh, with a previous mm -hmm. uh, assessment uh, and established. Uh, towards all member states. Then we know that some member state will never uh, ask this kind of thing. And uh, I really don't know what Italy uh, should or would uh, or could decide on this. But uh, it is uh, a, 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 a decision and assessment uh, directed to all member states. So we this have is the key uh, of the of the discussion, I think. So we have a lot of questions from the audience, and I would just like us uh, in the last uh, eight ten minutes that we have just perhaps to get some of those um, uh, discussed. So one question by by Thomas uh, Bileski is about. Um, the fact that the debate on the common fiscal response is very much focused on the euro area, but what about the non-euro area members? Is there a risk of a non-euro area, euro area fragmentation and recovery plans? Well, we have tools uh, at uh, European level uh, to support non-euro area uh, countries, to support their uh, balance of payments, uh, and it is absolutely uh, true that we, we should uh, consider this dimension and not only the euro area dimension. Uh, but at the same time, I have to uh, uh, repeat and stress the fact that the consequences of divergence inside the euro area uh, are more dangerous because of the fact that uh, we have a single currency. This is uh, obvious and it is the reason why we have specific tools for the euro area. Another question we have is about uh, some of the other priorities, which I think maybe four or five weeks ago were dominating at least the Commission's agenda, and now we don't hear about them so much. And one of the big ones is the Green Deal, and you're one of the biggest advocates of the green finance in the college, at least in the most vocal. Uh, we have a question from Henry Everston at the WWF, who sort of just sort of sums up some, I guess, some concern that in this post-crisis investment world, what can the Commission do and what will the Commission do to ensure that things like the Sustainable Development Goals and the idea of the Green Deal um, is still fundamental? And I guess a related question would be that before this crisis, the Commission was doing a very sensitive exercise about how to study the impact of higher emissions on for 2030 on the economy. We ha now have absolutely no idea about what the state of the economy is going to be in a few months. So in terms of that exercise, you know, setting short-term climate goals, how do you model for something as, as almost unprecedented and exogenous as this pandemic? Uh, no, thank you for this question, because I think it's very important. Uh, I said before, let's try to connect uh, missions to emissions. Uh, what kind of missions do we have? First, the healthcare mission. Second, the uh, jobs and employment, uh, etc. Third, uh, liquidity to uh, companies and then banks, etc. But then we have a fourth mission, uh, which is, uh, I think, 
to uh, incorporate in the very process of uh, transition from the lockdown to the vaccine, so to say, uh, also the uh, uh, right intervention to use this uh, terrible crisis when we will have won the fight for life, to use it to, for correction of our uh, model uh, of societies, because this is uh, what such an imp a huge crisis could help to do. And what kind of correction do we need? I think first is for sure on the uh, all the, the initial commitments of the Commission on the Green Deal, the Sustainable Development Goals, uh, because we have to uh, restart our economy with this uh, very clear in mind. And so not at all forgetting our commitment on this. Um, the same goes for innovation and digitization. By the way, we are experiencing uh, this all the time in these uh, horrible days. And third, I would say uh, more controversial and not easy, uh, we also uh, should define uh, how the stronger role that for sure the public and the state will have in our economies, at least for a certain time in the next uh, months and years, uh, will uh, influence our economies. Uh, what kind of uh, capitalism will we have? Uh, will we face uh, some uh, fascination coming from uh, authoritarian capitalism models coming from outside Europe or even um, circulating inside Europe? Because uh, this experience could uh, strengthen uh, this, uh, the attraction of these models. So the relaunch of our economies is not uh, back to the same model, but it is the opportunity of correction, uh, environmental sustainability, uh, innovation and digitization, but also uh, how to preserve our uh, democratic model in a system where the public function will be stronger than it is now. So, so Commissioner, you are also the commissioner responsible for taxation. And so one of the dimensions uh, going forward is also the uh, whole dimension of um, inequality in our societies and how do we make sure that the fallout um, is not um, only on the poor, um, but that there's a fair burden sharing in society. And so we have here a question by uh, by Todd Bull about uh, the taxation of digital companies, um, uh, whether you see them uh, as uh, um, places where there should be more taxation uh, going forward, also because they are less affected than uh, perhaps manufacturing companies by this crisis. But perhaps you can enlarge, I can enlarge that question and also ask you more broadly about what, what shall the EU do in this reset phase, really, um, uh, getting a more inclusive society? Should we um, 
Should we change the way we tax? Should we be stricter on corporate taxation? Um, how do we go, go about or less strict to allow a recovery? So how do you see this recovery phase and the inclusiveness and especially the digital companies in that phase? Uh, yes, for sure, uh, part of this process and of this discussion uh, has been a little bit uh, freezed in, in these weeks. Uh, I remember uh, the, the, uh, the G20 uh, ministers and uh, governors of central bank in uh, Riyadh uh, at um, second half of February and the discussion was um, exactly uh, in especially on this uh, digital uh, taxation and uh, global uh, minimum uh, taxation for cor for corporates and in these very days the the first news of uh, the outbreak uh, going from china to europe were coming so as you can understand in since then in the last uh, in March, this discussion has been uh, a little bit freezed, uh, but we still have uh, the, the commitment in July to, uh, to try to uh, come um, with a uh, G20 OECD proposal on this uh, digital taxation. Uh, we are not yet there. Uh, I think that you are right saying that uh, this uh, crisis uh, is uh, probably uh, stressing even more the importance of this uh, tool to be adopted. Uh, and uh, who knows, maybe the crisis will uh, help to give uh, a little bit more boost to multilateralism and international cooperation this is my hope but it could be also the contrary so that in the crisis uh, the, the national interest uh, prevails even more than before what is uh, clear from the european union point of view is that we need a digital taxation and we are now working to have it at a global level which should be the, the best way to avoid double taxation and other very complicated issues. And we need also a minimal taxation, uh, which is uh, also in discussion at a global level. Uh, formally, I am tasked if there is not an agreement at the global level to uh, advance a European proposal uh, for next year uh, but before this I think we, we, we have to understand where we will be uh, with our economies next year but the need to have this is not diminished uh, in, in these terrible weeks I, I could even say that it is augmenting I think we're, we're very quickly running out of time but I want to finish on a political point because you mentioned the idea of of preserving Europe's unique democratic DNA 
through this crisis and there are already fears that some of this uh, some of the sort of things that have been unleashed by this crisis will become a feeder for populism and your own country is somewhere is somewhere that has this sort of acute political warning very uh, obviously there because because of how vocal mr salvini is maybe just as a sort of parting some of your parting thoughts uh, how worried about are you about the threat of, of sort of populisms using this populist using this as an opportunity to sort of say that sovereignty exists very much at the nation state level and that is the only way that we can ever survive uh, politically um, and does the commission have a message one that can really resonate to people that might be flirting with these types of ideas and might even think that this is the way forward that actually multilateralism is the thing that actually won't survive this crisis uh, yes i think that in this crisis we are um, experiencing uh, a few things that are extremely European. Uh, one is very diff different things. One is the European Central Bank uh, that is extremely European, one of the few federal, so to say, institutions that we have, and uh, its contribution in this crisis is clear. But in totally other um, aside, we can uh, look to, for example, uh, how we are uh, capable to maintain our single market um, and even uh, the movement of essential goods, even in a situation where uh, the pressure to close borders is everywhere. Or uh, how important is our model of uh, welfare state? and public health care, uh, which is uh, strictly connected to European um, society's model. And then in, in this very dangerous situation is showing also its strength. Uh, then we know that there is also uh, a lot of space for uh, nationalism and anti-European positions in this moment. Uh, because it is uh, unfortunately a, a sad tradition in Europe in moment of crisis uh, to uh, not only beggar your neighbor but beggar Europe and say okay we uh, we can solve our problem in our national uh, borders uh, I am also aware of the fact that the arguments fueling this kind of nationalism and anti-European positions are very different from country to country. Uh, and in some cases, they are opposite. So uh, the, the anti-European positions in France uh, and in Italy are fueled by uh, completely different arguments that anti-European positions in Germany or in um, the Netherlands. Uh, and this is uh, a, a, a reason for working together the uh, pro-European um, responsible uh, governments and political parties because uh, even um, uh, despite the fact that they have different arguments uh, they are all targeting uh, the European project and we have to save this European project, uh, <laughs> overcoming differences among our uh, countries and governments. So, grazie. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Commissioner. Um, uh, we wish you a very lot of success um, in the upcoming crucial meetings um, because we do need a strong European fiscal response um, so as to minimize the hardship on citizens across Europe. And I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to our uh, podcast and event, live event uh, with the Financial Times, Marine Khan, Commissioner Gentiloni. Thank you very much. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you.